Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of The Field from KAWC. I'm Lisa Sturgis. Controversy came to District 23 this week when a Tucson state representative leveled accusations against one of Yuma County state lawmakers. We'll take a closer look at the conflict between Brian Fernandez and his colleague Alma Hernandez. Then we'll move on to the issues and talk water policy with Fernandez and his competitor in the race for state Senate, Gary Garcia Snyder. Plus, new poll numbers and Secretary of State candidate Adrian Fontes talks about the importance of elections. But first, this week's top political story. State Representative Brian Fernandez earlier this week responded to accusations raised by a member of his own party. Representative Alma Hernandez, a Democrat from Tucson, claims Fernandez called her fat and made other misogynistic comments about her during a recent rural transportation conference here in Yuma. Hernandez was not at the conference. Her complaints are based on anecdotes from colleagues. Fernandez initially denied making the comments, but Monday he took to Twitter to admit making some derogatory remarks and to apologize, writing in part, I did make some unkind statements. I know I caused hurt, and for that I am sincerely sorry. We did reach out to Fernandez for a comment, but he referred us to his social media post. You can read it in its entirety at kawc.org. House Minority Leader Reginald Boulding says the Democratic Party is looking into the controversy. Hernandez says she would like to see some sort of punishment. We sat down for a conversation with Fernandez about some of the top issues facing Yuma County before Ms. Hernandez made her complaint, specifically water. Fernandez gave us details on some of the actions the legislature took while he served in the House and told us what else needs to be done. We also discussed the recent addition of shipping container barriers along Yuma's southern border. Water is huge. 80% of Yuma County's economy is based on agriculture. And it's not just a part of Yuma County's economy. It's a part of the state economy and it feeds the nation. It's not just um, ag, though. So the, um, even the military bases in Yuma County require water. So water is, water is just a, a huge, a huge importance to Yuma County. We, you know, in the state, what we did is we passed a, a billion dollar um you know, water bill, uh, for lack of a better term. So what this would do would allow the state to go, uh, two things. Um, first, allow the state to go out and, you know, find new water. Um, and that sounds like, you know, a Spanish explorer, but, um, you know, thinking, um, you know, different places and, and, you know, bringing it in. Um, but the second thing is, and this is, you know, what we feel is just as important and actually, uh, you know, lower, um, barrier to entry is um, water conservation and water recycling. Uh, this is this is really important. Fifty um, percent of water, um, and this is for home use. Fifty percent of water in home use is outside the house, um, and sometimes it's even more than that. And that water is lost. That water can't be reclaimed. Um, the water that's used in your house, that water, um, you know, when you flush your toilet, when you um, take a shower, that water is uh, is recycled and able to be reused. So, um, you know, what we'd like to do is figure out ways to, um, to allow people to use less 
Um, in the water bill, we passed, there's up to uh, $300 million in there. Um, so they subsidies to help people uh, turn their lawns into more of a, a water conservation effort. Um, you know, those are good things. But this is, there's going to be no one fix for this. Um, this was, it took years and years uh, for us to get to this place. Um, and it's going to take years and, and um, many different things to get us out of it. There was some discussion in the legislature last year, and I can't remember what became of it, of reclaiming water. And it's an idea that I've also heard from some of our ag leaders here in Yuma for residential use. It would basically be the recycling of toilet water, tap water, and it would just be purified and recycled. Did the legislature take action on on moving forward with any of those plans? Yeah. So in the water bill, um, there's the money um, is allowed to be used for that. So a lot of places actually use their their water for uh, drinking, recycled water. And, and um, I know a lot of people might turn their nose up at that, but actually you can't tell. And I've been to places where you know I've consumed tap water, and it was recycled water, and it was fine. You wouldn't have been able to tell. Um, and that's, you know, that's one option. The second option um, in countries like Israel is what they, is they recycle the water um, uh, and then they use it for agriculture. And um, that's a way to save money. Um, but it's also a way to, you know, not require people to drink, um, you know, that, that water. So that's an option too. Um, they're, they're really important. There's a lot of things, you know, we can do. Um, you know, in, in Yuma County, our ag pro has been, you know, 30 years ahead of many other places in the state and the, and the nation when it comes to water conservation. Um, we've been lining ditches um, for many, many years. And only now are you hearing from people in, say, Pinal County and, you know, other places throughout the state that they're going to start lining the ditches, also in the Imperial Valley, on, you know, in California. Um, so these are these are really you know important measures that we took um, many many years ago and and you know we have many of our legacy farmers to thank for that um, but you know the, there's there are definitely ways to um, to for us to conserve water both in ag and residential and we're exploring all of them. If you haven't been out to the U of A Center for Desert Excellence in Agriculture, they're doing new science out there it's pretty crazy you know we just get, got them 30 million dollars and um and they're going to be using that for to continue this and uh, and help farmers um you know get to that next level when it comes to whether it be drip system um you know or anything else but yeah like there's there's so much in terms of in terms of potential there's so much out there um and and you know for years there just wasn't an appetite to do it because it's like you know if, if water's cheap why do it but now you're going to see it um, be very innovative. Since water has come up and I've begun learning about it, it's really interesting. It's not like just putting seed in the ground and putting some water on it. It's very technical. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that our students in Yuma, whether it be, you know, I mean, high school or, you know, even younger, start getting interested in this. And, you know, perhaps U of A or, or the NAU uh, program that, you know, we just we funded, um, we'll start having some programs there uh, to allow them to some sort of whatever that's looks water science, water conservation, um, because I think it's going to be an interesting field. And I think that's going to be the future, not just in Arizona, but throughout the world. I mean, we're seeing droughts in all kinds of places, just like we're seeing floods in others. Right. And that's 
you know, we're going to have to change these, you know, um, our perspective on this. And all over the world, we're going to have to figure out new ways to to um, conserve, recycle, um, just so that we can live the lives that we lived before. Last week, Governor Doug Ducey declared his container walls that he built to fill the gaps completed. What's your reaction to the state just coming in and putting up these barriers? First of all, I, I think that we need to make sure our border is secure. I think it. I think it's very important for safety. Um, you know, do I do I think that you know um, we need to give people a you know some sort of way to to maintain their life? You know, people that are here in America, no question about that. But I think that um, security at our border is very important. Now, when it comes to these these shipping containers, I, I mean, I think this was just a, a gimmick. I think this was just a way, you know, for Ducey to, to get some attention. And I, I just saw some video um, on uh, Twitter or, or some other social media, maybe TikTok, of some people just climbing and climbing down. Like, I, you know, it's not, this is something that, that uh, we've seen Governor Ducey do these things. He's also been um, shipping migrants to, I believe, New York City. Uh, maybe D.C., I'm not sure. Um, I've heard both. Um, at a pretty large cost per month to the state. These are just gimmicks. These are just ways for um, him to look good in front of uh, conservatives. And, and I get that. But I do think that um, the way to go is what uh, Senator Kelly is doing, which is um, you know ensuring that the federal government uh, is doing this. We don't even have the right to, as a state to do that. Many, many parts of that, most parts of that are federal land. Um, and as a state, just as an individual, like you and I would not have the right to go put something there. It's not our land. It's the federal land. Another thing I wanted to touch on was education. I think that we're kind of blessed in Yuma in that it's, it's relatively simple to get a degree or to get some sort of training. You don't even training for jobs that require like a two year degree. We have that advantage here in Yuma. We do. Um, and, you know, and we have, a, you know, a lot of people thank for that. Um, you know, I think of people from, you know, the back in the day, like John Morales, you know, who, who were training people, I mean, long before I was around. Um, when those, and it's not just two-year degrees now. So one of the things that I was able to secure, and I'm, I'm very proud of this, is we were able to get money in the budget to um, add 12 bachelor's degrees to Northern Arizona University, Yuma. Um, these are things like engineering, accounting, manufacturing, so that a young person that goes to Cibola or Yuma or San Luis High School uh, is able to complete their education. They can become an engineer. Um, they can become an accountant right there in Yuma. Um, these are this is really really important because as not only is college getting more expensive, uh, cities are getting more expensive. Uh, so when I was when I was going to college, um, you know, my I did my undergrad at Arizona State. Uh, I paid $400 a month for my apartment. It was really bad. It wasn't that long ago, but it's a really, really bad apartment, to be fair. Um, I was just talking to a young man who uh, is 19, and he's you know going to ASU, and he said that the average apartment for students is 2500 a month. So these are costs that like you don't, just don't just see in the tuition. You see that in you know your cost of living. And I think that, you know, being able to, for young people that maybe don't have an extreme amount of means, being able to stay home, being able to, you know, finish school there, and then, you know, going on to, you know, begin their career. And then they, hopefully they'll stay in Yuma. But if they don't want to stay in Yuma, they can move to another city. 
you know, without going to debt. I think that's huge. And um, I'm really honored that I was able to do that. I, it was a big, big push. It was a really, really big push. Um, and I have to thank, to thank Dr. Core for giving me, you know, the um, advising me on that and pushing me forward on that. And I'm hoping to expand on that this year and the years going forward. Let's talk about education for the younger kids. We saw the state voucher program has rolled out. And so far, it looks like those students applying for it are the ones who are already enrolled in parochial and private and that sort of and charter schools. What, what's your feeling on vouchers? Is vouchers the way to go for the state of Arizona? Does it make sense for a community like Yuma County? I, I don't support vouchers in, in the broadest of sense. Um, I, you know, ESAs originally were, were for um, students that couldn't get the education that they needed in a public school. Um, you know, whether they had, a, you know, a, you know, some, just some sort of challenge that, that you know, required them to go to a school that, that you know, better suited them. Um, what it's become is, you know, with this latest program that, that I voted against, what it's become is, is just a, a way for people that are already paying for tuition in a school that in many cases is um, above the $7,000 that you get from this program. And it's just giving those parents a $7,000 break. You were, you know, you're paying 13000 so here you go. You know, now you only pay $6,000. Um, why don't you go ahead and buy a, a new car? Um, and I don't think that that's the best of ideas. Um, I'd like to see us invest in public schools. I want to see us um, pay our teachers and, uh, as professionals, um, you know, make sure that all of our, you know, the faculty and staff at these schools, at our schools in Yuma and throughout the state, are being able to pay folks a living wage. It's getting more and more expensive to live in, in Yuma County and throughout Arizona. I want to make sure that we're, we're, we're not putting people in a bad place in that way. But more importantly, I think that we need to, have to make sure that we have professional teachers and, and staff uh, that are working with our students to give our students the best opportunity to you know, move forward in their lives. And I believe that vouchers take away that money. Um, you know, you're diverting money that would normally go to our public schools and sending it to private schools, many of for profit schools. And I don't think that that's the best of ideas. Last week, Governor Doug Ducey declared his container walls that he built to fill the gaps completed. What's your reaction to the state just coming in and putting up these barriers? You just survived the last session. It was kind of a, would you describe it as kind of a contentious session? Um, yes. You know, it's, it's funny. I, you know, I've been talking to people about this, and yes, it was a very contentious session, no question about it. And you know, there were a lot of a lot of late nights, even more than normal. Um, but in the end, I think that we came up with a bipartisan budget, um, and we have there's a lot of people think, and and you know, sort of the uh, you know backhanded praise as well. But um, I'm really proud of what we what we were able to come up with. Um, you know, we came up with a budget that, that I think was acceptable to everyone. Was it loved, you know, 100% by anyone? No. I mean, um, you know, I think that everyone will be able to tell you bad things and everyone will be able to tell you good things but in the budget. But everyone also says that it had something 
for everybody. Oh, a hundred percent. And I mean, and I, you know, I'm, you know, as uh, the folks in Yuma County, um, you know, I worked um, bipartisan um, with uh, with Tim Dunn, Tina Kerr, um, with Joel John, um, Joanne Osborne. We worked together to secure so much in Yuma County that we would not have done otherwise. We would not be able to do otherwise. Um, expanding Highway 95, um, you know, we're almost all the way to YPG. We're going to get there. Um, I hope by next budget. That's really important. It's a huge priority for us. $30 million for U of A and ag. Um, you know, the money to, to begin these, these bachelor's degree programs at NAU, expansion of the job at Boulevard. Um, and then in a more global sense, the, you know, expanded money for K through 12 education, which is a significant amount of money. When the Republicans started talking about that, um, originally they wanted to increase the amount by 300 million. We got it up to over a billion. Um, that's really important to us. And, you know, and the water bill, which was so important to Yuma County. So we did so much, um, for Yuma County. And, and it, like I said, it was bipartisan. This was something that, that, you know, everyone was able to, to um, participate. I'm very hopeful um, that we're going to be able to continue doing this, uh, you know, in future years because it was so positive. Um, you know, if you have a bad year, you should, you know, be able to spread the pain around. If you have a good year, you should be able to spread the joy around. There, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, a one side, you know, dictates the other. That is the perfect place to end it. Representative Brian Fernandez, candidate for Arizona State Senate. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you, Lisa. That was Representative Brian Fernandez, the Democratic candidate for Yuma County's District 23 State Senate seat. This is The Field from KAWC. I'm Lisa Sturgis. Gary Garcia Snyder has long been a South County fixture. Now, with his bid for state Senate, Snyder's taking his community activism to a new level, and he's celebrating an endorsement from someone who some may consider an unlikely source. We recently had a conversation about how he's preparing and about his thoughts on water policy and Governor Doug Ducey's shipping container wall. We are joined today by Gary Garcia Snyder, Republican candidate for Arizona State Senate. Gary, you're talking to me from in front of the state capitol. What you doing in Phoenix? Well, I'm always uh, here in Phoenix uh, once or twice a week. Uh, my area reaches out here to uh, Goodyear, Estrella Mountain, and uh, parts of uh, Buckeye. But most importantly, I need to be at a place that I'm going for for 2023. So I need to know the ins and outs of the House building, uh, the Senate building, uh, the legislation, you know, for someone that's really taking their job seriously, they need to be here and understand what the building is about, uh, the foundations of it, you know, the people that came before and the people that are coming uh, currently, you know, that to me is very important. And at the same time is, you know, just because we're in uh, rural areas, we need to understand what's happening in uh, Maricopa as well, because uh, a lot of the voting tends to go towards only Maricopa and not the rural areas. You know, that's something I have been talking with with several candidates recently, is that sense that uh, the rural counties get left out in favor of Maricopa and even Tucson, Pima County to some extent. Do you agree with that perception? I want to say a percentage of that is true. Uh, but I do have a different take on it. What I'm seeing is 
But if you have a strong candidate, a strong elected official, a strong backbone willing to uh, fight for its communities and its district, then I believe that is not uh, one of the reasons why the rural are not getting the voice. I believe they're just willing to push on certain bills as long as they can get a few bills out of it. And it shouldn't be that way. Every vote, every state legislator, every House representative are elected in their communities because that's what they need. They need a strong person, not someone to work with only one bill. We need to allocate for our communities because that's why they chose us. That's why our rural voice have lost a lot of power. You know, the rural is what makes up the great, beautiful Maricopa, which is Phoenix, the capital. The rules is what is the hard workers, the agriculture, the water, you know, the industry, all that comes from rural Arizona. We're the ones that work hard. We're the ones willing to sacrifice a lot. And we don't ask for much. All we ask is to be on the same Arizona playing field as Maricopa. Let's talk about a couple of issues that do affect rural Arizona, particularly water. Given the quantity of vegetables, and it extends beyond vegetables to cattle feed, I mean, Yuma has become kind of a breadbasket for the United States, so we need strong water policy. Talk to me a little bit about what you plan to do to make sure that our water rights are protected. Well, first off, uh, the water rights is actually federal. So a lot of people say state can help. State can help influence and state can help do some uh, passing some budget into futuristic local stuff. But the water rights obviously from the compact of the 1922 Colorado River, which had the upper basin, and lower basin, which we were, California was a, was a higher tier and we were just a junior. You know, from there, then you got the five five active water management in uh, Arizona, which covers about 80% of the, the water, you know, a lot of people are, are focused. Now, if this is something that we say is in the hands of the legislature here in the state, we've known this issue for about 20 plus years, if not more. And if so, and if it was in our hands of the legislature, then we did a poor job because we knew ground zero was coming up. And for ground zero to be where we're at right now, the tier 2A, it's because we either didn't have good legislation to worry about it, or we just didn't have the right because it all came to BLM or federal, federal capacity. Now, what we can do as a state legislature is focus on what we can do in our state, you know, forest management. You know, right now we have 300 uh, per acre trees, which we can lower that to conserve some of the water. Uh, they just passed the bill for the 1 billion to 200 million, which is WEFA, water infrastructure, which helps out uh, sustainable uh, longevity and stuff we can do like the salt cedar plants. You know, it takes almost 300 gallons per day for one tree, which is very important to take out because that is consuming a lot of water. So we can have a short term and long term. Short term, we can start putting uh, trees in the metropolitan area to offset the heat uh, heat index. Also, we can, you know, the carbon and stuff like that. But I'm interested in long term. You know, everyone's talking about the desal plant. Well, desal plant is, is a very expensive, you know, we have it in Yuma. They're very expensive, 2000 per acre for for farming. When only farmers can not only hold about $300 per acre, that's their allotted price range that they're willing to go. 
Now we got the Sea of Cortez, which is, you know, bringing water from Mexico to the United States. You know, the, con- the consumption, there's a lot of long-term and short-term, you know, bringing water from Mississippi, from, from over there, the Rockies, you know, Amitation, those are long-term. Those are sustainable. Those cost a lot of money. Yes, we can do it, but we need to make sure we need to do some legislation on the right track towards bettering our water source. Now, most importantly, I'm interested in what's now and the future. Right now, a lot of people are working on in other uh, European countries and actually here in California is APV, you know, uh, photographic um, agrotics, which is for solar over the plant life. And it has a ratio of uh, two ways to earn money. You know, one, it makes sure the plants don't don't get humiliated too much so it doesn't sweat and mean needs to consume more water. The other way, it's the light saturation. The solar plant, solar will move to make sure the plant has a better growth. And on top of that, your uh, electricity generated out of your solar power is either going to your EV uh, farm products or you're selling it back to the grid to help offset uh, farm cost. So those are big stuff that's coming forward that I'm very interested in. Because we know we're in Arizona, we have enough sun and sun rays that solar is is the thing. Solar is very cost expensive. That is very for sure. You know that is a that is a cost that's going to require the whole state and federal to help out. But we have it. We have the sun. We have the rays, and I think we can use that technology to a better deficit here in Arizona. That's why we have the solar farms throughout the state of Arizona and on top of our houses for the grids. Now, once again, that's a, a that's a federal mandate offset, you know, through APS, SRP, and stuff like that, that we can uh, get a discount. But we need to make sure whatever we're doing in water conservation, it doesn't just go to the farmers. It goes to the consumers that, for example, someone that leaves, leaves the water on for 15 seconds to wash their dishes, turn it off. Just simple housekeeping rules, education, uh, a stipend for people to go from grass to either a desert landscape or synthetic grass would be the way to conserve as consumers. We got to do better on that because this is a whole state issue, but it's a national issue in our United States because we are part of the food chain. Like you said, 70% of our, our agriculture from beautiful Yuma County provides for the whole uh, East Coast. You recently received an endorsement from Mayor-elect Nieves Rydell of San Luis. And Nieves Rydell is a hardcore, longtime Democrat. Talk to me about that endorsement. To me, it doesn't matter if a person's Democrat, Republican, liberal, independent. What it matters to me is what she's going to do for her community. And that's very important. I saw the gentleman that's been there for 12 years, and the gentleman has not helped his community in any way otherwise than his friend's beneficial pact. The community is, is looking like a third world country in San Luis, Arizona. The infrastructure has had problems. We're one of the fastest growing uh, cities in Yuma County, but yet we don't have infrastructure. The reason why is because the elected officials in the city council, the elected officials under the mayor, and the elected officials taking care of that community hasn't stronghold for our community of what's needed infrastructure. When we have two uh, federal ports, they took a, you know, they took a whatever price that they negotiated to help the community, but they didn't focus on infrastructure, widening, widening projects for streets. Most importantly, the main Cesar Chavez. Now, luckily that has been passed as a bipartisan, but we know in the house and 
Senate, the majority was a uh, Republican because they wanted to make sure rural Arizona was taken care of because that area is very important. That's a lot of people coming in from the port, a lot of people coming in legally from uh, the port of San Luis, and there's a lot of uh, business done there, you know, a lot of uh, commercial commercial uh, goods. So it's very important to me that whoever's elected, regardless of the party, that they actually help out the community what they're set for. Let's stay down in South County. Let's talk about the recently erected container, shipping container walls that Governor Doug Ducey put up. You live down there. Are you seeing any impact? I've been there to do uh, near, uh, border cleanups from the agriculture to the river. I've seen the difference in the, in the ecological uh, devastation, the farming devastation. But since those containers, the Connex boxes have been put, there has been a little bit of influx uh, decrease. But we know a lot of people are going through the tribal lands right there on the Kokopah. Now, like I said, they're their sovereign sovereign lands, so their their mentality is on them. When they choose to uh, come to the United States from the tribal lands, that now is the Arizona state land. And that's what we're seeing. Now, if there was a question that someone asked me about the Connex boxes. Was it worth the money? To be honest, it wasn't to me because I know we can use that money towards uh, booking up uh, the sheriffs, the police department, our first responders, because in, in Yuma County, we're taking a big hit. You know, we can't take that influx and not be able to take care of our community first. Gary Snyder, Republican candidate for Arizona State Senate. Thanks so much for talking to me today. Thank you. That was Gary Garcia Snyder, the Republican candidate for Yuma County's District 23 Senate seat. This is The Field from KAWC. I'm Lisa Sturgis. Democratic U.S. Senator Mark Kelly's lead in his battle to retain his seat is growing. A new OH Predictive Insight poll shows Kelly with a 12-point lead over Republican Blake Masters. 47% of the 654 likely Arizona voters surveyed said they'd back the incumbent. 35% said they'll support Masters, and 6% said they're going with Libertarian Mark Victor. When you break it down by party, it gets interesting. 86% of Democrats, predictably, say they'll vote for Kelly. However, 20% of Republicans surveyed said they'll also back him, with Masters only securing support from 65% of GOP respondents. Kelly's also outpacing Masters with independents. The Arizona Secretary of State's race is a little tougher to call. The latest OHPI survey gives Republican Representative Mark Fincham a five-point lead with 40% versus Democrat Adrian Fontes's 35%. However, less than three weeks ahead of the start of early voting, 25%. That's a full quarter of those surveyed still hadn't made up their minds. Another extremely interesting takeaway, 17% of those surveyed hadn't heard of either candidate. Adrian Fontes is out on the campaign trail getting his name known to more Arizona voters. He's also spreading the message that he aims to preserve democracy in the state of Arizona. This week, Fontes was featured on the cover of Time magazine as one of several candidates profiled as defenders of the election process. We talked to him about the importance of that process and about the lessons he's learning as he travels the state and meets its people. Welcome back. Adrian Fontes, Democratic candidate for Arizona Secretary of State. Mr. Fontes, thanks so much for coming back on the show. 
happy to be back with you. Thank you. So you've had a busy end of your week. You had a busy weekend. Friday into the weekend was pretty busy. It started with a roundtable with uh, former Democratic presidential candidate Amy Klobuchar. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, Senator Klobuchar was working uh, and has been working with the End Citizens United and Let America Vote uh, to get around and chat with not just election experts, but some uh, folks in the voter advocacy community to make sure that we, uh, you know, really get all of the information that we need and spread the word about the impact that dark money has on uh, our elections, um, the impact that political money has on our politics. Uh, and it was it was just really good to spend some time with her, uh, not just on the panel, but uh, afterwards we had a uh, a little minute or two of time to chat a bit. And uh, she's she's a really good uh, she's a good human being. Let's talk about dark money. How big of a how big of a problem is it? Well, uh, you know, we faced a, a significant challenge. We had a lot of uh, undisclosed donors coming against us in the primary. I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of folks who are hiding their motives in the general election uh, running against us again. But we've just got to be very, very clear. What is and ought to be important is that regular voters have power. And it doesn't matter uh, what you see and hear on the negative side. I think folks should be judged by the positives. What have folks done to help you out? What have politicians and their track records looked like? Uh, Who's best qualified and best prepared? That really beats any of the dark money any day, uh, as we've already illustrated them. And I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to advocate continuously for sunshine, for accountability, and just to make sure that everybody knows, um, you know, who's playing in, in what arena politically. That's just the most fair way to do things. There is a ballot proposition that is going to be on the November ballot that would require candidates to disclose uh, dark money contributions. Are you in support of that proposition? Yes, I am. Over the weekend, you were here in our neck of the woods. You paid a visit to Yuma. Um, tell me about your time in Yuma this weekend. Well, we uh, met some folks at the park there uh, by Sabola uh, High School, um, and uh, I think it's Raiders, right? So go Raiders. <laughs> and, uh, I've, I've actually, it was interesting. I tweeted out about that. I've got some, some good friends that work in a lot of spaces uh, in politics who went to school there. So um, I... Um, then uh, had some a variety of different meetings and ended up meeting some people over at Cafecito in sort of the more uh, historic, I guess, downtown-ish area. Uh, great coffee shop, uh, met with some folks. And then, unfortunately, I got called back uh, to Phoenix on a, a, a small a little emergency that required my presence. But I did uh, have a chance to, via phone, talk with some folks down in San Luis in South County. And uh, I did promise to get back there, so I do anticipate being back in Yuma County uh, to work with some folks um, across the communities. And uh, I think we're going to be meeting with some of the folks in the agriculture uh, area uh, so that we can make sure that we are uh, talking to all sectors of uh, folks down uh, in the southwest corner of this state because, you know, it's a big state and uh, we got to make sure we're chatting with everybody and, more importantly, that we're listening. It is a big state, uh, 113,998 miles. I looked that up today. Um, <laughs> because it's a big state, and it's so diverse, and it's com- a completely different environment down here in Yuma County than it is up in Flagstaff. And I was just thinking that 
over the past weeks and months, you've been like everywhere, east, west, north, south. And I just want wondering, what is your impression? I mean, what has it been like getting out and just meeting people all over the state on, you know, a grassroots <clears throat> human person level? Well, you know, the motto for the great state of Arizona is uh, um, God gives. And I feel very grateful. You know, we've, we have traversed the entire state, every corner. We've been, we were in White River uh, the, the weekend, actually last weekend, I think, not this past weekend, but the one prior. Uh, the last four or five days, I was in Pima County twice. Uh, I was in, of course, Yuma County, as we discussed, and uh, ended up in Prescott last night, up in Yavapai County, talking with some folks there. Um, look, this is, a, this is a very, very, like you said, diverse state. We have the greatest biodiversity and geographic diversity in the United States of America, more than any other state, regardless of size. Uh, Arizona is an amazing place, and it has an amazing people um, because of the differences. And that's the one thing that's most important about elections as that golden fiber, right, that unites the entire thread of our society and in our state. We can have different people with different opinions, different ways of looking at different issues. Heck, I don't even agree with all Democrats on all issues. But at the end of the day, we are all Arizonans. We are all Americans. And elections are that periodic moment when we come together and make decisions about who our leaders are going to be, what policies we're going to follow. And then if we don't like the results, we move to the next one. And that's the kind of normalcy that I want to bring to the Secretary of State's office. Winners win, losers lose. We call balls and strikes and we move forward. And I think the opposition wants the opposite. They want to continue with their grievances of 2020. They want to radically change things to the negative as it impacts voters. And that's all because of their grievance. And that industry of grievance has to end. We need Republicans, independents, and Democrats to come together and say, enough is enough. This is an amazing state. Uh, we're not always going to agree on everything, but we are always going to agree that uh, where God gives, we should be grateful, and uh, we should just continue to work together cycle after cycle as we move through into the future, which I think is a bright one for Arizona. Adrian Fontes, Democratic candidate for Arizona Secretary of State, thanks so much for talking to us today. Always happy to do it. You can have me back anytime. We should note we have reached out to Fontes' opponent, Republican Representative Mark Fincham, several times to invite him on the show and have yet to receive a response from the campaign. However, we will all get to see where both candidates stand on the issues Thursday night when they face off in the Arizona Clean Elections Commission debate. Next week, the field moves to its brand new time slot. Listen for us at 9.30 Friday mornings right after Arizona edition with our good friend Lou Gum. The show airs again Saturday mornings at 11.30 as part of our new two-hour block of Arizona-focused news and on Sunday evenings at 6.30. And, of course, you can always listen on kawc.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The Field is a production of KAWC Colorado River Public Media. Send your questions or comments to me, lisa.sturgis at kawc.org. Our theme music was composed by Steve Hennig and performed by members of the Yuma Jazz Company. For more information on their music, visit yumajazz.com. 
Thanks so much for listening to The Field. Remember, you can always hear the show at kawc.org, on the app, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Lisa Sturgis. I sure do hope to see you again next week. Till then, keep yourself informed.